Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 660, recording today on uh, 10th of March. Gosh, actually, another six weeks and it's going to be episode 666. I'm not sure how I feel about that, whether I need to do something. Maybe I could wear some kind of fancy dress outfit uh, uh, or, or change the light to to, to red and have some dry ice kind of creeping about the place. Maybe I'll just do something like that. That would be kind of fun. Anyway, this is a music technology top podcast. We talk about all things to do with the creation of music production, uh, the tools we use, um, the technology, the distribution, all of the kind of things that surround the making of tunes, records, albums, whatever you call it in your world, or streaming, any of those things. I want to say thank you very much to our friends uh, who are uh, with us. We've got uh, a bunch of people over in YouTube. Uh, there's the, uh, whatever they call, QR code if you want to get to that, uh, and IRC as well. And we've got some people over on uh, Discord, Facebook Live, uh, and Twitch. Twitch is streaming live. Discord's just the chat, I think, if I remember correctly. I want to say thank you very much to all our friends over there uh, for supporting us. Also, uh, we've got uh, a new uh, piece that, oh, oh look, there's a chat window come up. Um, a, a new uh, product, I think we call it. Is that what I'm looking for? I'm looking for the word product. That's right, from Isotope. Isotope have launched uh, Producers Club, uh, which is is a subscription system. And actually, um, it, it's quite an interesting idea. They've gone for monthly. It's on when, it, when it's on. So, But they're all pro versions, certainly in the... Uh, um, the producer club, producers club, that's it. You get a pro version, so you get like all of the advanced stuff, which is kind of pricey. So if you already own maybe a couple of uh, products and you just need them for a particular product, you could pop it in for a month or try it out. But if you if you want to go for it, uh, seven-day trial available at isotope.com. And, of course, we've also got the Sonic 10 uh, um the Sonic 10 code if you want to buy any of the stuff. Unfortunately, it doesn't apply to subscriptions or the Spire Studio. But if you, when you check out, if you use the code SONIC10, you can save 10% on any of the other products. But the Producers Club, and there's also uh, Music Production Suite, which uh, gives you uh, RX Pro as well. This is more geared towards production, Music Producers uh, producers Club, and the Music Production Suite Pro is uh, with RX Pro. So I want to say thank you very much to Isotope for... Uh, supporting us and also offering that discount and like i say if you fancy checking that out uh head over to isotope.com try your seven day free trial now um couple of other bits and pieces while I'm at it. Yes, uh, if you fancy supporting us on Patreon, we've been adding a bunch of content and there's a whole lot more coming up as well. I uh, just posted some stems of... Uh uh, what did I post? Stems of uh, the Friday Firm. We've got an ex exclusive video for the MCO. I think I've put some Pulsar 23 samples. So if you feel like joining us over on Patreon, we've got a lot more stuff to come. I think we're up to sort of 40 exclusive items over there, which you can't find anywhere else. So please do uh, join us. Right. I guess we can get on to our guests now. Uh, let's see. Well, we'll start. Actually, let's start with Mr. Yoad Nevo, who's there in Nevo Sound. Uh, Nevo Yoad is, of course, music producer and uh, engineer, mix engineer, software developer for Waves. And uh, I think uh, we could we could also describe you perhaps as a trinket collector for putting on top of your Neve console. And it seems to have expanded. You've got some more stuff. Actually, if I get rid of your lower third. So now uh, you, you're really, you're written, so you're going for the playing surfaces on top of the fader banks. Yeah, how have you been? Yeah, yeah I've been very well, thank you. And... Um... You know, I've started playing guitar for like seriously uh, after about, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. And it led me thinking about how uh, 
um, I've not improved my keyboard playing for like decades. So, ah, you know, so you I get by and I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and um, so instead of practicing my keyboard playing, I decided to try to find a shortcut and having uh, all these, you know, things. Mainly, it's mainly the expression. So that, know, that's uh, a is that a theory board on the on your right? That's a theory board, yeah. So, uh, we covered that, didn't we? How do you find it? It looks actually very... Uh, touchy feely and lots of chords on there there's some really good things about it and um i have a few uh, comments to, to, to make uh the main thing is that it doesn't have midi in so if you do an, an interesting sequence that changes stuff here unless you record the actual notes to midi and even if you do, when you want to play it back, say I I wanted to overdub, you wow. know, not not play both hands at the same time. That ah, I can't see. really do it because the left because hand, the left the left hand uh, makes it uh, um, will affect what happens in the what the right hand's doing. I see. Right. Exactly, and Fair and point. so yeah. So if, if they could send. MIDI note numbers like note data on a separate channel so you can record it and play it back to it just as a control just right. as control data so as that, that would be amazing yeah. that, that's one thing the other thing is that you know it's it's not sensitive enough I'm sure that can be sorted in in a firmware update so hopefully they'll do it too Otherwise, it's a very, very interesting uh, and inspiring instrument, um, and it's fun. Cool, cool. Nice. Well, glad to have you aboard. Uh, always good to see you. I guess, you, uh, uh, like like most of the time, you're incredibly busy, but uh, thank you for giving up some time and joining us. Yeah, I've been really busy, uh, still am, but I couldn't make it for a couple of months now, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So does that mean in the next, uh, the rest of the year, your, your work will be dominating the charts? Um, it's Maybe. too soon to say, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, who knows? Excellent. Well, lovely to have you. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Also, we have uh, Mr. Matt Hodson, who's there over in uh, in uh, the south of England, uh, where he is. Uh, well, you're 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 working on your world domination through your monthly releases. In fact, you've got a premiere tonight, right? As a, as your oh, artist, yeah, yeah, as actually. maths. I have, yeah. Gosh, yeah. I set myself this task of releasing one track every month for the whole of this year, which has meant obviously writing, recording, producing, but also marketing, doing the music videos, collaborating with artists for the artwork. And um, I'll tell you what, it's full on. I'll tell you what, it's really full on, but it's really good. It's given me a focus during lockdown to, to keep putting out, I hate to use the word content, but um, it's, qu it's quite an interesting approach rather than just jump dumping out an album and saying there it is there's 12 tracks and it sort of disappears here the sort of longevity in the way that i'm releasing music and it allows me to connect a bit more with um with people and the support's been really great um because i'm releasing things staggered so it's on Bandcamp first and then it doesn't go on streaming for for a month or two after that so you can only really get it through that and uh yeah music videos that's been that's been good fun so i'll be getting 
my chops down with a premier and that sort of thing. And ah, um, yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got a premier tonight, actually, 6, 6 p.m. over on my YouTube channel, latest video. Um, it's got people fighting each other to hard techno music. So right, I, I hope okay. you like it. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Yeah. An interesting um, idea. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. It's, I've really enjoyed it. I recommend it to anyone doing something like this. It's it's really um, it's really kept me focused on music as well, and my whole my whole the workflow as well has changed quite radically. In fact, I'm um, I've been really inspired to just kind of unpatch everything because I've I've got a case here that pretty much stays patched up the whole time, and I'm just kind of feel like. Every every new song now, plug. I just feel like starting from scratch again and just and working in that way, That's which I haven't done for a long time. So, do you do you find that? Do you think there's a way that there's, there's that the fact that you're you're staggering your releases, that the response you get to the first couple, does that affect what you might do in you know tracks five or six or seven or eight or further down the line? Yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. There can be that indeed, um, because I might stumble across a particular way of using distortion or weird side chaining or something um i mean i've got i've got two compressors and a and a heavy limiter in this rack here and i'm using them in this really mad way at the minute and feeding them back into themselves and creating this weird side chaining pulsing and i'm suddenly like right i've got i can get three or four tracks out of this and then of course the more you release then people start listening to your your older tunes as well and so i've seen people listening to them more and more um, oh, brilliant. as I'm putting more out and that, that kind of thing. So it's, yeah, it's good, but, Excellent. but full on. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear Nice it. to be back on the show. Yeah. Good to have you. And of course uh, we have Mr. Dave Spears, who's there in uh, his uh, synth cave. The, well, this is the lesser of the synth caves, more of a grotto perhaps than a full cave yeah. uh, where yeah. he's uh, uh, a tip. Administrating the uh, the world of G4 software and of course the OBE, it's interesting. Was I have to ask you? Was the OBE thing uh, an actual? Um, was the idea with the OBE to, to to have a play on words in terms of the order of the uh, whatever, whatever it is? It's the, the it's a it's a night of something, isn't it? It's a it's an actual uh, order of entertainment, isn't it? OBE, order of the British Empire. Oh, um, that's what it is. Yeah. Yes. I'm very topical at the moment, not. That. Yeah, toxic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. I did, anyway, I how, did how's it been going? Morgan. Have you been able to get some sleep and uh, not think about uh, your eight voice for a couple of hours at a time, maybe? Yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe, yeah. No, we, we, we did, actually. To answer your question, one of the reasons we called it OBE was because our theory was that if Tom Oberheim was a British citizen, he'd have been awarded an OBE years ago and carried around on a throne all day. So yes, it was uh, that was definitely behind the naming. Uh, yeah, no, it's been full on. Uh, it's been great, absolutely amazing. Response has been amazing. I'm, I'm not moaning at all. It's very, very busy. Uh, but hey, it's all good. It's only work if you don't want to do it, isn't it? That's very true. I think that's a very good attitude as well. Uh, well, let's get on to a few topics. Uh, I mean, obviously, the one of the we had a, I had a few uh, quickies. Uh, one of the first one was the uh, the new date for Superbooth, uh, which I don't know whether how people feel about this, but uh, we've now set they've now set one in September, which looks like it might be doable, assuming we can all travel and stuff. Uh, I, I don't know. It made me really lifted my spirits this uh, to be able to kind of think this is September the fifteenth to the eighteenth, twenty twenty one, which also means it's going to be a bit more summer than. March 
or early April, so it will not be as freezing cold. Uh, so that's all to be. I'll come to you first, Matt, because I know you played, and like me, you know, it's such good fun. I mean, let's hope so. Are you gonna uh, are you gonna book your refundable tickets uh, as soon as you can? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I, I did get in touch with them to play again this year, but one of the responses they came back, and I totally support them on this, was that they were looking at just putting on local artists, actually, this year playing live because of, obviously, the restrictions with travel and stuff. But I also thought it, it was really good that they were looking at supporting local artists. Now, if they're pushing this back, I think they're still going to include some of the cool new ideas they came up with, like... Um, Super great yeah, the well. super trail, yeah, and running around the woods or something, you know, coming stumbling across little shacks with people messing around with synths, which sounds great. You know, I love the combination. I love seeing synthesizers outdoors, you know, whenever I see those videos of people, like, messing around, playing them. I think there was modular on the spot was a bit yeah, of a, that's right. a video thing. So people playing them outdoors in woodland on grassland and that. I don't know. I like to see that sometimes. I don't know how they do it, though. If anyone can recommend any sort of battery portable battery powered stuff i'd like to give it a go i live here in brighton maybe i should go down the seafront sometime and um yeah you spoke about doing storm. that before actually i think i think that's not a bad idea i did not yeah, a bad idea yeah. we should all get a little um band together and you can all come and join me and we'll see how much we can raise money <laughs> yeah i think you should do that i think that's a great idea um yeah. uh, well you could talk about Hafar and rodent uh i can't remember the surname um uh, um, they're a couple and they kind of did the modular on the spot and I think they've got loads of experience in, in kind of this kind of guerrilla style of turning up and, and doing these things outside so you should get in touch with them on, I know they're big on Instagram so you should check them out and they, I'm sure they'd be oh, able man. to pass you on a bunch of information definitely and of course uh, oh, I've got that so that is everybody I was just about to introduce our fourth guest who is non-existent uh, but <laughs> what am I talking about? Superbooth, yeah. So Superbooth, Superbooth.com. Yeah. Get in touch. Um, I mean, you know, we, I'm going to look into booking hotels and flights, assuming they're all refundable, because obviously we just don't know what's going to happen. But it's really given me a kind of like, oh, that'd be nice. Um, I know, Dave, you've been. Um, you're thinking, mm, you know, nice to have something in the calendar, assuming it's safe and all of those caveats. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be amazing? I mean, it really would be amazing if it happens. I, you know, I really enjoyed it when we went. In fact, I had a Zoom call with uh, Mark Doty uh, on Saturday. I hadn't spoken to for ages. And, of course, the first question he asked was, you going to Superbooth? I was like, really? Okay, because I hadn't seen the news. But, yeah, I really hope so. God, it would be nice, wouldn't it? I, I, I suspect I'm gonna, I'd be a little bit weirded out, though. Yeah, well, if so it's the first time you've been, if it's the first time you've been out, that would be uh, pretty scary, I would imagine, wouldn't it? I mean, just if it's the first time yeah. you've actually been out into the world, and then suddenly it's international travel, hotels, and potentially thousands of people all at the same time, that could be a bit scary, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, totally. I have to yeah, work up weird, to it. Weird. Yeah, slowly. So, but I've got my first. I've got my jab coming up uh, end of this month. That shows how old I am. Right. So, yeah, we're, I'm kind of, in fact, it's the same day as Chris's. So, yeah, I'm kind of semi-excited about that, not least because I go out, but also, you know, it, it, it's sort of, hopefully it marks the beginning of 
yeah. kind of new thing happening. So yeah, no, I'm. Hey, this would be amazing. I'm a, a bit freaked out about people setting up gear in the woods because the last time I was there, there were wild, wild boar running. There through. was, yeah, there was wild boar. In fact, uh, I'm, I'm sure I've told the story. Um, but Andy uh, was working late um, a couple of years ago, and he came back. Uh, and he, he got back to the hotel because I'd gone home. I was knackered. And he just said, oh, that was, I was so scared because he used to uh, live in Germany when he was a kid. And so knows about wild boar, knows how potentially dangerous they are. And he saw like a really, really big one and a load of little piglets running across the path as he went, he- headed down towards the exit. And he said he was terrified because he knows, you know, big, big ones with kids are about as dangerous as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's not it's mention amazing. that too much. Well, I don't know. Let's not let's not dwell on we it. We turned up. Well, you know where our studio is, so we turned up one morning, and it looked like somebody had taken a rotavator to all of the turf outside. And of course, it was like, what? What? What has done this? And it transpired it was wild boar because they kind of come and dig it over to kind of get the grubs and stuff underneath. But it was carnage as far as the eye could see. Wow. Never seen that them in just the flesh. overnight. Literally, wow. I must have just come hoarding through. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, well, Johan, I don't know if that makes you uh, feel uh, more disposed or less disposed or whether you're kind of... Fit, the, the jury's out. I mean, I don't think... You're not a, necessarily a big trade show person, but I don't think you've been to Superbooth, have you? I, I've No, I've been to NAM and I've been to uh, the Frankfurt one and I've been a couple of times to NAM, <laughs> But... Um, I'm not a fan of big crowds, and I suspect this may well be a huge crowd. Everyone wanting to get out of the caves and, you know. Uh, yeah, so, I think you're probably right. Yeah, but I will. I, I think I'll follow uh, Sonic State <laughs> okay. and uh, stay informed. <laughs> it's probably the right answer. Okay, well, anyway, I wanted to throw that one up there, so it was sort of fun. Okay, well, um, we want another Sonic State Festival, Nick. That's what we want. Yeah, well, that would be. I, I'm, I'm not going to put the effort into that until I know for sure that uh, everything is is legit because that, that was such an amount of work for a small team like us I mean obviously I'm not saying anybody else is any less hard work but even a small scale that we did it was just a day it was months of planning and work and it was kind of like ah but yeah you know we'll uh, we'll do it Let, uh, let's um, okay let's let's get on to one of the first topics which I think is this one Oh, wow. So, Andrew Huang and Amija. Sounds like something in the jungle. Thames, Adam. <laughs> it sounds like a dinosaur. So this is uh, the Google... Oh, what do you call it? I call it audio morphing, but they're calling it... Um, what do they call it? Tone transfer is a technology developed by the Magenta team in Google AI that allows you to deconstruct sound into Play-Doh and enables you to mold it into something else. So if you took the sound of birds chirping or if the sound of you singing, it can remold that input into the sound of the violin. We do this by training a machine learning Okay, uh, I mean, it, it's all fascinating stuff. It's part of the Google Magenta team uh, who who seem to basically have the best job in the world, which is just sit there and come up with these sort of fantastic ways to use the massive amount of computing power that they have available at their disposal to come up with stuff. And uh, Tone Transfer, I think I've got it here on uh, the page. Let me just paste this actually into the... Um into the website because they're into the chat because I'm 
people can check it out for themselves. Uh, at the moment, it's limited to 15 seconds of audio, which you can upload yourself. Um, but so if we go, uh, if I go here and uh, here, uh, start something. So we could take, I don't know, birds chirping. So birds chirping and turn that into the flute. I mean, it's quite expressive. It's very interesting. It uses something called, uh, now if I get this right, it uses something, differential digital signal processing, D differentiable digital signal processing or DDSP, which means that uh, you use machine learning to sort of learn the characteristics of one sound and, and, and apply them to the other. I'm going to come to you first, Yoa, because you are a resident DSP expert brain. Um, this is interesting stuff. I'm, I'm not quite sure what the, what, what the application is, well, hence my thought that this is as a job. It's quite, uh, it's quite novel, <laughs> and and probably one that's quite a lot of fun, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, but you know, but they show us the fun parts, but behind the scenes, it's yeah. it's very hard work, and uh, um, <clears throat> and you know, it's it's not it's not a mystery um, because we know how to analyze pitch, so we can extract pitch envelope and we can extract extract uh, amplitude envelope fairly easily. Um, it's the harmonic content um, that, and obviously it's an offline process. So there's yeah, no way the yeah. you'll be able to do it in with even, I don't know, a few minutes of latency. It takes, it takes a lot of uh, computing power because it has to, um, there are models um, that the, the machine kind of learns and accumulates a, a lot of data. Um, <clears throat> and then I presume it generates it via additive, basically it's additive synthesis where... I could, um, yeah, so here's a diagram. Here's a handy diagram I've got. Additive okay. synthesis and filtered noise synth. Additive synthesis okay. and filtered noise synth. Exactly. There we go. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not kind of signal processing in the conventional way, like a compressor or an EQ or things like that, because um, it takes its input from a massive database yeah. um, that from there it can extract the things that will make a violin sound like a violin. And, and these are not necessarily things that we, we know or we can extract ourselves. It's just the the machine does it kind of um, blindly. So it goes through millions of millions of waveforms and picks up things that correlate to other things that, you know, that eventually a human will have to tag this massive da data. So because ah, you okay. have to be very careful about what you feed the the machine because if you if you if you send it like 200 um recordings of violin and one trumpet it can destroy the whole process and you will get nothing so it it's a very you know it's a very different discipline to to what we're used to um right i mean it's, i guess what you're saying essentially is if it was humans doing it they would give up because it would be so dull and boring and and it's kind of so, but what's interesting with this is you can feed your own audio into it. It's the model that is applied to that audio that seems to take the long, the long amount of time. There's there's this thing here which has got, got one hour of training. So this is a violin. 
after one hour of training. Then uh, three hours of training. A little bit more, and then and then suddenly, after ten hours of training, that's where it starts to get. But yeah, ten hours of doing that, if a human had to do it based on the CPU cycles a human can manage, it would be a bloody nightmare. No, it would it would take uh, you know a million years uh, or something <laughs> like that to, to, to get one one two bar violin. Uh, yeah, it's it's exciting. Absolutely. It is, uh, Matt. Well, am I right? Did you was it? Did you send me this, Matt? I can't try and remember if you did. Did you? Yeah. Do you are you seeing potential here? Are you a bit disappointed that it's not a real time process? And then we've only got uh, what have we got? We've only got flute, saxophone, trumpet, and violin at the moment. Yeah. Where's Where's the um, I don't know. Flugelhorn. Yeah. 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 Um, one of my master students actually sent me this. He was in a lecture and. Um, we we always start with a little bit of a critique and a debate and, and that kind of thing. And they brought this up and said, oh, just come across this. This looked quite interesting. We was talking about AI and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's why I, I thought I'd share it with you. Um, yeah, we, we just thought it was really interesting. We was talking about AI and how long, how these things get better the more you feed them with stuff, obviously. So I can only imagine, I, I'm presuming here, I mean, I don't know massive amount about AI but um, the more that people go to this website and they're playing around with it and they think it's fun and yeah yeah they're just feeding the machine the algorithm or whatever it is the learning process and it's just getting better and better and better and better I guess uh, forgive me if I've got that wrong you probably knows a lot more about this than I do oh you muted Nick Nick you muted Thank you, Pat. I think, I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think that's what uh, Isotope do with machine learning, isn't it? All the mixes that go into it, it's just data, more and more data points. But uh, yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah, I mean, it, I'd love to see something like this in a DAW one day. But as Yoad points out, you're going to need a, you're going to need some serious processing power. I mean, I thought, I thought it was pretty cool in Ableton. I think it was ten or nine. They introduced the ability to turn to extrapolate MIDI from audio. I thought that was cool because I did experiment with singing a few lines into the computer and then extrapolating the MIDI because as you had said, you can, you can get pitch data from that quite easily now. And then um, I was like, oh, well, this is really Andy. Do I need to learn to play an instrument again if I can just kind of whistle in particular things? That'd be quite cool. As always, I'm always interested in how you can misuse these sort of things. So I'd love to I mean, you, you've got only like a, you can send a bird song into flute. I'd love to send a bird song into bird song and see what it did then. Oh, or, you I know, see what you're a saying. violin into a violin and see if it just Feedback. totally spins it out and just you know you the, break the, you'll break you'll break like reality if that happens. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah there'll definitely, there'll be a power cut across the world for a start, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I know, Dave. Is this sort of thing? For, is, I mean, you know, you've just been through the phase, a phase of modelling something in a different way, obviously. But this, I mean, it'd be a lot easier if you could just kind of stack a load of GPUs in the back of the room and feed it an OB8, and then at the other end comes the software you need. But I mean, that's just not the way it works, is it? Obviously, so that'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be nice on occasion. Uh I got lost in this for about 40 minutes. It was just like, I was like, the pitching's not perfect because I was singing stuff in and getting it to replay. I'm disappointed. Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, I thought the pitching wasn't great. And then I realized that was me. That wasn't the pitching of them at all. Uh, and the other one was I was very disappointed there wasn't a kazoo that I couldn't turn 
my voice into a kazoo or birdsong into a kazoo. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of fascinating, really. I was feeding it in. I actually put in some Mellotron stuff and thought, how's that going to cope with a flute turning flute into a flute? Uh, but it didn't break the internet and it didn't create a black hole. Uh, actually, it didn't sound very good at all. Uh, there was <laughs> this kind of huge, there was this huge spike at the beginning, you know, this huge kind of lump at the beginning, pitch lump. But I, what I would like to see, I mean, obviously, hey, I'm sure they can do it, but it, where you've got the variations in pitch would be able to kind of stretch those out and move those out. But there's also some really good, I don't know whether you saw the other little tools that you can do. You can raise it an octave, drop it an octave. Ah. Uh, you can actually mix that with your own recording. So, for example, I did a little line and then put it into a flute and then kind of mix my voice behind it. And it sounded like some kind of... Let me see if I can find... Is that what this... Oh, yeah, track. here we go. There's the setting. So mix, yeah. octave, loudness. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And it's quite cool. It does take does take time. Uh, and it says, doesn't it, uh, you know, keep this, uh, keep this window open while it's doing all the kind of processing. And I was... Uh, too busy so I kind of went off to another thing and I noticed my comp my computer had slowed down so it's obviously doing something here as well anyway yeah fascinating just fascinating, hijack, like you say, hijacking your CPU cycles anyway I thought it was a bit of yeah. fun um, and uh, I, I just thought yeah we'll, we'll throw that one in there as well um, okay what else have we got next um, uh, unof unofficial machine ah oh, yeah let's go for um, a bit of two voice pro action it's very topical so uh, this is news that uh, Tom Oberheim uh, is reissuing the Two Voice Pro, which it was a synth of all the most expensive synths I could have bought. I nearly, I came into a bit of money a few years ago and I nearly consider, I considered buying one of these just because of the sound of it. And um, this has obviously got programmable aspects to it. And I think this is coming out later in the year, but it was like three grand. It's not a cheap thing. New version will have uh, the Oberheim logo on it, which will obviously be a bit of an extra plus for a lot of people. But it just, just listening to this, this is a video by J3PO. Uh, in fact, uh, I thought I had the, so I will post the link in the show notes for that because uh, I'll give him credit. But if you look, J3PO, Two Voice Pro, this is his uh, video. And uh, I think it's, I think it's great. I, I, I mean, it feels like quite a luxury because, as we know, you know, these things, this sort of level of electronics and these things just sound fabulous, but they're also costly, but they have a certain amount of class. Them. I suppose I should come to you, Dave, being the, uh, you've had your head in Oberheim for, for uh, the foreseeable, the, 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 you know, the foreseeable past uh, three years or so. Have you ever played a two-voice pro? Have you got a two-voice pro? I know you've got a two-voice Sam, or is that the original? Uh, no, that's 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 the that's the newer SEM there, but it's only a single thing. I've only right. ever played the original two voice with the little mini sequencer on the side. Uh, I found what I found amazing with that was that the the calibration is really fascinating because you've only got to turn, you know, let's say the frequency uh, oscillator frequency mod a little bit, and all of a sudden it kicks in. Whereas on this thing. There's a lot more movement. It's you know, it's obviously bedded in over the years and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I'd love this. I really would love this. It's uh, well, it was about know. three thousand three thousand two hundred UK. So I mean, it's not an insignificant investment. But I was close. But then I, I just thought I can't, I can't do it. No, I did hear. I don't know how true this is at all. But I did see some comment from somebody saying that you know the first batch is gone. 
Now, I don't know whether that's true. Don't take that as gospel. But I was like, if that's the case, then that, that, then that really is brilliant. You know, I mean, Tom's amazing, amazing engineer. Uh, although, I don't know whether I said about this, you know. So, you know, I went and did the Bright Sparks thing and filmed Alan Perlman and then this guy, Dennis Collin, who was responsible for the twenty, uh, the multi-mode resonator for or the 1047 or 74, forget which one. Uh, and he was a really fascinating character. But I didn't know at the time that actually he's the person responsible for the SEM filter, which makes total sense to me now I know. But, of course, it's my eternal regret that, because unfortunately he's dead now, but it's like... It's my eternal regret that I never got the chance to kind of really, really pick his brains over it. But yeah, I think that, you know, hey, look, I love the Sem. This is this has been, it's kind of weird as well, because this has been my sort of secret weapon for a million years. Well, for as long as we've had it. And everybody knows. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I've always, it was the a Sem, moment. The Sems always look a little bit kind of, like they, they're not going to have the weight and the girth that you expect uh, to me. And then when you hear one, you go, goodness me. I don't know, Yoad, have you, uh, have you had, a, had a play? You've got, have you got any Oberheim stuff there? I think you've got a Matrix 6, haven't you? And a Matrix 12? I have a I Matrix 6, and that's my only, um, my only Oberheim thing, and I love it. Um, um, is that the membrane yeah, one? That's, I mean, the, that's the one with the digital parameters, isn't it? It's a sort of rack, yeah. is that the rack mount thing? Yeah. 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 yeah, I I made a, um, you know I did the 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 interface up here, but it's the processor is so slow that, and I had to change the the OS. So so now the the cutoff and the resonance respond kind of okay, but if you want to change the attack or anything like that, you you move it a little bit, you wait for like a couple of seconds, and then it kicks in. <laughs> So old it's, school mini it's, processing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, but it's worth it because it's an amazing synth, and I used to record it since it, uh, you know, it doesn't have any chorus or any fancy stuff. So I used to record every part twice because it's a VCO, so it's slightly different, and you get an amazing um, stereo out of it. Oh well, uh, I think I think yeah, the. I think the Two Voice Pro has pan for, I don't know if it's per voice or per oscillator, so you can get that in the box. So you might have to find, uh, you might have to find the, the readies for that if you want the full Oberheim, full width experience. I don't know if that's your thing or not, but uh, it, it does look. Well, at the moment, I'm very much into the Egan Matrix. Ah, and yeah. I'm, yeah. I've started diving into that uh, wormhole and it's, it's something that I wish I had more time to to really get into. I mean, I am, but I'm doing it like late at night and things. It's an amazing, amazing, uh, especially Matt. If you know, I, I'm sure you know, you know about it. Uh, but for for all the modular heads, it's just an unbelievably powerful um, and the whole concept of the matrix. So basically. For every mo for every modulation destination, you have four sources, which are gate, pitch, um, y-axis, which is you know the sliding and aftertouch. So, but for it's each destination, and you can multiply and do a lot of uh, formulas and things like that. It's it's kind of a low level pro, um, you know. Uh, or I would say a high-level computer yeah. language. Yeah. 
it's, uh, it's rather one than of the most, it's one it's one of the most sort of unattractive uh, software interfaces. It's quite yeah yeah from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's either you can either see it as a very low level kind of getting like the sort of C uh, user or interface like that, or a high level programming um, yeah interface. Uh, but well, I nice. love it. It's amazing, and I love the sound of it. It's well, really, of, really of, course, uh, of course, the uh, uh, Egan Matrix is going to be in the Osmos when that finally comes out. But Matt, what are you thinking about uh, Oberheim? Uh, I can't remember if I've asked you about Oberheim stuff before, whether you've got any... No, mate. I mean, I, I've never touched one of these ones before. The only Oberheim I've ever used and ever owned was the Matrix 1000, which mm. was the rack mount thing. Where it's like the same, machine. Machine. same as same. the M6, yeah. yeah. Um, and I loved that. I absolutely loved it, and I found a little uh, software editor for it as well because, as you know, you couldn't really edit the patches, and someone did this wicked editor for it, and I really loved that. I wish I could say more about Oberheim other than I've just, every time I see one sat behind Dave, I'm like, I really want to have a go on one of those, but I've never, never ever touched one myself, so I don't really have a lot to say. Obviously, legendary... um, since and legendary name and i'm glad to see this coming back onto market so yeah uh, i don't know if i'll be able to part with three grand for it though yeah I, I could never i could i i, I, don't, I don't unless i was if i if i was minted i could possibly think about but yeah there's so many other things that would require i'll have to like see home improvement you know <laughs> busking <kit. laughs> yeah. right okay let's uh let's get on to uh what was the other one that i had here there's a uh uh um, oh yeah, this 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 was interesting. Um, somebody's written a kind of custom firmware for the machine drum, the original machine drum. This is uh, it's got tonal pitch control, new LFO shapes, uh, a, a GND machine which have got saw square noise, trigger preview, multiple trigger, and more. Turns the machine drum into sort of Lyra eight type machine in my perspective. This is from Dataline, who's uh, Chenk, who we know uh, is. Uh, one of the world's best electron uh, operators and this was uh, a video that he posted on uh, on instagram uh, it's great to see this kind of coming into uh, into life we did a video with uh, i'm trying to remember the name of the guy now it's completely escaped me he did a fantastic video with uh, with that and a delay pedal and he was using it very much in these terms but i don't know if anybody's enjoyed the machine drum it's a, it, again it's a quite an impenetrable machine but it has a certain something about it, and it was it was the first. It was, I think, the machine drum was the first electron. I think it possibly was. I think, uh, who would know that? Do you, did, did have you had a no, machine I, drum? Yeah, I think it was. The I first think one. I know. I've had the Octrack Mark One and Two. I mean, I don't know if you've used machine drum, Nick, but would you say because we've talked about electron stuff before on the podcast? But um, would you say that this machine drum's still got that steep learning curve like the Octatracks <laughs> do? Well, it's, yeah, okay. it's still it's still got the same kind of it's got the original the the original tiny display with very little information on it and a yeah. very specific workway. But it's it's the sort of it's it, it's the, the 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 source for all of the way that Electron stuff has developed. So it's probably a little less developed unless this firmware addresses some of that. I think it's a free download, as far as I can tell, well, by Justin I, Vaila and V Yardley. I I love the I just love the fact that someone's just gone and change the firmware on it and go here you go here's a new instrument here's a new Hands something new out of that, that box you've had for the past i mean these what are these 10 year old 15 years i don't know 20 years old 20 year old yeah here's some new life into it and again I, I, again and again we've talked about this on a show like korg are doing i think 
yeah, Korg are doing where they're where people are uh, you know, writing stuff for the firmware and changing stuff up. I just think that's really, really great. I didn't even know that you could do it for something like this, to be fair. And the fact that that suddenly pops up. I like the demo because it's noisy and distorted and that kind of thing. And I reckon, you know, with something like that demo, you just need a 4-4 kick to it and you've got some techno going on. So what's not to like? <laughs> what's not to like? I know, yeah. I mean, you've, had, you've probably had a lot of multis come through. I mean, have you, have you noticed anything specific about an Electron sound? Is there a kind of thing? Does it have a quality? I mean, would you even know if it was? I, I, yeah, I think there is kind of a very, I don't know, fat, round, um, but not too messy kind of sound, still focused. Um, but I never had any of the um, gear uh, because it just seems too fiddly for me. Like, I don't mind getting fiddly on the screen, but I hate menu diving and, and things like that. So, um, um, not, probably not. You won't be updating your, your machine. There's, you won't be buying there's an airdrop for it, though, isn't there? Not for the original stuff. The Overbridge stuff works with some of the later, the Mark IIs, mm. but not the machine drum. Machine drum is too Yeah, so that, that. That, that's a deal breaker for me. Yeah. Well, I can understand why that is. It's interesting because a lot of their stuff were originally, like a lot of early sample, uh, uh, digital sampling stuff, is all based on kind of uh, MIDI machine... Uh, um, MIDI sample dump standard. So all the transfer of the things in and out of these is incredibly slow because it's essentially these kind of text hexadecimal streams that you've got to load. Yeah, I remember it's the, the from the from the Casio FZ10M uh, days and the the Avalon on the Atari uh, and all that. Where yeah, I've got to remember that. What was the stuff? Yeah, I, 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 remember, I remember trying to send uh, sample edits from whatever it was, the Steinberg one, uh, back to a sampler uh, when we were working in a studio. And I think it was only just like a bass drum or something that I'd done. And it, uh, we, went for, we went for supper and came back and it still hadn't finished. It's just... It's, it's, Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. I know, Dave. I know you, you. You haven't got a massive electron collection, but there's certain. There's there's definitely a vibe to the sound and the machine drum. I know it's like it's almost like a kind of um, a religion. I think in many ways, and lots of people kind of get into the. You know, you you get kind of uh, what's the word I was talking about? The, uh, not. Uh, it's escaped me. People get very kind of. Hey, yeah. Well, they 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 get uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying. They get very into it and try and convince everybody. You know. Yeah, I really wanted to try. Uh, it was. It must have been the Octatrack. I remember thinking, ah, oh, yeah, this gizmo that I could kind of take around with me. And, and I thought, and then every, everybody I spoke to was just like, no, it's impenetrable. It's impenetrable, and it kind of put me off. But I do remember checking this out. You know, the original machine drum out at Mesa. And it was a real, you know, it was like a really exciting thing at the time. And then didn't Portishead name that track after it? But, uh, it Machine Gun, I think Machine that was Drum. Called. No, it was Machine Gun, ah, I think, okay. the track. <laughs> Close. <Okay. laughs> yeah, that's just me trying to justify <laughs> buying it back in the day. Yeah, Portishead did it. I must have it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, it's a great idea. It is a really great idea. I love, I, I just love it when people come along and breathe new life into, you know, what, what's technically kind of obsolete things. For me, 
I'm so anti-landfill, as you can probably gather, you know, we just kind of, I can't throw anything away when it comes to tech. It's like at some point this is going to become useful. So, yeah, for me, this is dead cool. I wonder if there's a kind of, uh, it's an interesting thought, isn't it, that if all all instruments that have an OS effectively did, had the ability to kind of like, after a certain amount of time, you just went, yeah, fill your boots, here's this, here's the, not maybe the source code, but, you know, you can, if, if you know what you're doing, get in there and do some stuff. I wonder if, or if it's just a bit too sensitive, I guess it depends on whether that technology that's in the older stuff is still in the newer stuff and, you know, but after a certain amount of time, it must get to the point where you'd think, you know what? Let's open source it. I don't know. I mean, you work you, both you and, and Dave are software as is it? I guess it's 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 the crane jewels. I guess to a degree, you wouldn't necessarily want them being opened up, right? Yeah, but at the end of the day, you have you know what the hardware can offer, um, and and the OS to a certain extent because it has to communicate with that hardware. So, uh, and this is what you have, and this is what you can play with. And with different, you know, with some technologies like for S1000 or something like that, yeah, you can possibly uh, write a new firmware for it that, but then it will, then what would you expect it to do? You know, it's still, it, it's able to play samples. There's no filter, no polyphonic filter, no, you know what I mean? So it's quite limited in what it, it can do anyway. Uh, when when you're talking about the synth, then you have more more options. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or if you well, have filters and, and envelopes and things like that properly. Well, the, the machine drum, the concept of the machine drum, that's actually uh, little DSP instruments. They're not all sample stuff. A lot of it's generated in code. So it's like tones. There are, I think it's the machine drum S or machine drum UW, which had this kind of work drive that you could load and, and save samples in. But, but it's like about these little micro machines that run, you know, you load them into a track and they could be, you know, a distorted bass drum or a snare type instrument or a whatever. And I like the idea of like, it's, it's, it's kind of, you're right, it's kind of like what Korg were doing with this, with Sign, sign Vibes and uh, um, yeah. and and the sort of little DSP stuff, which we've talked about where they've been rocking it with the, with mm. the latest releases and being able to do that. Interesting idea. I, I, I wish, um, I, I just, just on, on this one, um, with drum machines and things, obviously Tempest, um, Dave Smith sort of put his hands up and went, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, if they and open that, that up. That, if they open that up, and I think there was a bit of a thing about it, people asking about that, and uh, Dave, if you're watching this, open it up, let's see what we can do with it, because it is what it is, but you've seen what people are doing something here that's like 15, 20 years old, Let's see what we can do with Tempest because I know how powerful that, that, that piece and, is. And to be fair, the Tempest sound—it's got a sound. It's great. Sound. Yeah. I, I go. I keep going back to. I did a demo of it um, ages ago when I, when I reviewed it. It was like two premises back, and uh, and I made a little track in it using kind of, and it just sounded amazing. I just, I still think, oh, I wish I'd done something with that at the time. But yeah, absolutely. Did I hear you trying to come in there, Dave? Sorry. No, no, I was thinking, yeah, I totally agree with Matt. Uh, but it's like, send it to uh, Mark Tinley. Because Mark, <laughs> I can imagine Mark could just make something extraordinary with this, you know, to kind of immerse himself in it and get really get his head buried in there and come out with something that we'd all go, whoa. So, yes, that's, that's who I recommend Dave Smith okay. send it to. Fair enough. I think that's a fair enough thing. Right, okay. Um, what else have we got going on? Oh, yeah. Um, well, there's a couple of things, actually. Uh, where did I find this? Uh, 
Steinberg had ditched the dongle, uh, which is kind really? of a big deal because Steinberg, uh, going back, you know, we're talking about going back in the day. Uh, let's see if I've got, I think it's a synth, uh, synth anatomy. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not it. That's, that's, that's a completely different thing. What am I looking for? Ah, here we go. Synth anatomy is what it was. Let me just find that. I'll put that here. There we go. If I load that one up. Synthematic Steinberg di uh, going to ditch the dongle. They've had an e-licenser for years. I mean, Steinberg, I mean, I remember the dongle back in the Atari days, and it was so mm -hmm. crap because the connections were so rubbish. I, I mean, I, I owned it, but I used a crack because it crashed less often because the polling of the dongle didn't get in the way. I mean, it's so limited, kind of a, such a limited amount of CPU cycles. That, but, uh, yeah, they're going to put an end to its e-licenser, which I think is about... I heard you uh, raise a cheer there. Is that going to improve your life to a degree there, mate? Uh, it's quite funny. So... This is what happens with me. Hang on. I've got to get into that silly little pocket that you got in the top of your jeans. Here we go. That is mine because I've been traveling between the cabin. And, and what normally happens with me is I leave that in the silly pocket in the jeans and then I take my jeans off and throw them and it goes in the wash. And it's like, oh, right, need another dongle. That ha That's happened to me countless times over the years. So, yeah, just for that alone, I'm like, yay. Yeah, I just mean... Just for being an idiot. Well, I mean, it's easily done, isn't it? I mean, I think, I mean, but then in many ways, you know, because people always moan about iLock, but iLock actually can work sort of remotely with cloud authorization through your account. So maybe that's the better way to go. I mean, even though iLock has got this kind of bad, really bad rep, whereas in fact, it, it, that's so, it's so like last century, it doesn't necessarily, you got one of those as well. So this is in my silly pocket in the jeans. A sixty-four USB, an Allen key for the stands, and the uh, Cubase dongle. Excellent. Right, take and those out while you remember. How do you fit? Because I, I, you were a big Cubase user for a while, weren't you? Did yeah? Did did you say that? Do you remember you saying yeah, that? Yeah, for years, for years. Uh, back in the Atari days, with this annoying uh, little dongle, and then later with uh, with the e licenser. Um, I just don't buy any software that uses uh, dongles. I just couldn't be bothered. Um, I wanna, I, you know, if I buy a product, I wanna own it and I want it to be on my computer and wherever I am and not forgetting it or washing it or anything like that. Here it is. These are the they, these are the offending yeah. articles. The Steinberg dongles. Wow. Oh, they yeah, changed. Yeah. They changed it to a. The dark, I remember. Yeah. I remember yeah, the dark red one. one as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, but you're okay think, with iLock stuff. Um, Sorry. Oh, you're looking for your dongle there, Matt. Somebody's nicked my dongle. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an original e magic. I mean, notator. Ah, oh, excellent. Yeah, you're right. You don't throw anything away, do you? Matt, I guess, yeah. I mean, in terms of education, yeah. dongles are a nightmare, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, I think the only thing we need a dongle for when students are using stuff is something like uh, Isotope RX um, at the minute. But um, I've still got my Logic white dongle as well. I remember that. That's about the only dongle I've had. And I don't know about you. I don't know. Maybe opening a can of worms here, but I'm wondering if we're actually in a... We've moved on so much now in the way that that people aren't using cracks as much. I don't know. There's, I don't want to start naming anybody, but there's not many people that I know who are actually using cracks anymore. Um, I, I certainly don't see it amongst students 
as much. And I'm just wondering, now you've got things like Splice, I think where you can pay a monthly fee not only to use the plugin, but you also at the end of 12 months, you then own it. So there's these kind of payment plans. Maybe the in some cases are affordable. We're seeing the Black Friday sales. I just think there's more initiative now for people to want to own the, the, the software outright and invest in it. And I, I get it. And some people use that argument of, well, I can't afford to to buy the plugin right now. So I use a crack one. And when I start earning money, then I'll buy it, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't know if I quite agree with that even, but I don't know. I just, I don't think it seems to me that then, I don't know, maybe it's cheaper now or something. That seems to be in a shift to my yeah. mind. Over it's bizarre, isn't it, isn't it curious? Something. It's curious that while maybe software has become valued, music itself has become completely devalued, which is a weird, a weird paradigm. So, you know, all that time that you've kind of now people are prepared to pay to create music, they're not necessarily prepared to, 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 uh, to, to own it, although that seems to be changing, I don't know if uh, I, I, I can I can do a seamless link into the SoundCloud. You probably uh, can, article, but can't I? While you do that, I might just I'm just going to throw this in here because I I think I think we've got to be careful because I think music is always going to be valuable. People will always want music. I think what we might want to talk about is the the way in which it's been distributed yes. by major labels and big companies. That's what's broken. Music yeah. isn't. Music will never be broken. The actual thing of music will always want that. How it's offered to us, and we will always go for the easy option, and at the minute that's Spotify and Apple Music, and you pay your nine quid a month and you get as much content as you want, and the, and the, and the people don't get paid for it as as much as they should that's what's broken yeah um, but as you're probably good. going to bring on about the about what soundcloud are now doing whereby um they're going to be paying people based on on the actual streams you know if you get loads of streams you get paid more money and that kind of thing which i think they should have kind of been doing from from the start yeah i agree i know matt you've got to go haven't you you've got a, a class that you've i got do to, so maybe so i use that as a segue just to say um See ya. Well, Thanks. I've got to go teach my master students now. <laughs> uh, don't forget, if you want to check out uh, check out Matt's uh, stream later on, uh, he's going to be playing on. Let me have a look. Uh, performance. I'll put the link. Oh in yeah, the thanks. Six o'clock. Six o'clock. YouTube. Permanent. Permanent. Six o'clock. YouTube for the premiere. All right, cheers, Matt. Thanks that's very much. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting thought. Good that man. is an interesting thought. But anyway, um, sorry, I was just going to get yeah. So basically, SoundCloud are changing because many, many, many streams work in a pro rata basis. So you know, if you're Rihanna or Coldplay, you get a bigger slice because they just take the billion streams that happened, and you get because you're big, you get a slice of that rather than. So people who may be subscribing uh, are actually just paying into a pot it's not they might never listen to rihanna or coldplay but a percentage of their their fee is going to pay those royalties well what soundcloud are proposing is a more of a stream-based uh, system so if you're a subscriber to a particular say an indie uh um uh, act then that the percentage of the streams that you play of those will go to them so it sort of feels like a much more sort of equitable thing you do need to be uh, a, one of their pro subscribers so it will encourage people to pay them a fee to publish their music on uh, on soundcloud but nonetheless i think there's probably more consumers than there are producers but it's an interesting idea i mean it, it can't be beyond the will of man you know with the technology that we've got these days and the data tracking to be able to make this work properly wouldn't you think yad I mean, you you know, one would think that that is the way that it should always have worked. 
um, but it's because of technology and radio stations um, were also operating in the same in the same way and uh, and and things like that and it only makes sense that now with the technology available um, you would be able to you know in the same way that you when you download a splice a sample from splice then a, a percentage of that will go to the the producer, artist or yeah. the producer yeah, 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 of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it only makes sense it's a more linear kind of uh, sensible way of doing it and uh yeah obviously it's very welcome i think this is going to be an interesting uh, just a few more facts and figures about it before i come to you dave um the uh thing about soundcloud let me see right um, it's only going to be working in certain countries because they they have to participate launching april the first which is kind of amusing uh in order to qualify you must be an independent creator with a pro or pro unlimited account which i think is 750 quid a month and have at least 5000 plays in the past month from a soundcloud monetized country and then you get 55% net which is 5% more than soundcloud but it's attributed to actually your fans so if you big up on if you have uh, you just released your album chances are you're going to get paid for it i mean this this just seems to make a no-brainer sense to a degree i mean it's not perfect but it's certainly better right dave yeah totally yeah it's funny i mean at the beginning of lockdown i was obviously talking with a lot of some very high profile musos who you know just had their work completely decimated and we were we were kind of talking about you know there has to be another way there really has to be another way and we were talking about you know lobbying Spotify and Deezer and whatnot for you know fairer rates, but once that kind of business model is entrenched, it's that you know it's very difficult to kind of prize it from their hands. So yeah, I thought this was really fascinating. In fact, I'd kind of given up on SoundCloud a bit because it's it's a bit of a kludge, and they're always it's just the you know the kind of relentless not the ads, but you know do you want to subscribe? No, I yeah. just want to put this track up. And there was all that kind of stuff just getting in the way and annoying me, uh, a bit like every website, you know, do you accept the cookies? Yes, of course I accept the cookies. Uh, so I'd kind of given up on it a bit. And then uh, when I saw this, I was like, wow, that's a nice, nice curveball. So, yeah, I hope, I hope. Well, maybe it'll be a trend. Hope. Maybe it'll be a trend. I know uh, the, I, this came up to me actually because I saw a tweet from Portishead. Portishead had said, "Oh, SoundCloud are doing this. This is cool. You know, we support this." And I guess you know if you've got because they they essentially started out as fairly indie. I mean, they're they're not so much now because obviously they're big and established. But maybe they maybe moved back to indie. I can't remember what their exact situation is. But <laughs> when you've got artists that are saying, "Yeah, this would be," I mean, I still think you know, uh, BandLab is amongst the finest ones if band lab there could be somewhere in between where you just kind of go well look this is how it's going to work you know band lab could could change something where you know where you basically just kind of go look you can stream all of the stuff it's going to be low quality you get better quality you know so we're talking low low quality like i don't know not 64 gay pbs or 96 if you subscribe you get it all and then the artists will get a certain chunk of that as well so it's just a way of making it fair and it raises the perceived value of music and maybe this is a sea change and that would be good you know that's got to be a good thing right because ultimately you know we all do most of us is i guess you know like people don't go into medicine because they necessarily want a, a, a a highly paid career they're driven it's the same with music you know you do it because you feel you have to and so it just doesn't seem that, that fair that you should be exploited for that very reason but anyway that's that's me off my pedestal totally. uh, I, no, I suppose totally. um there were a couple of other was that did it, well, let me see if there's anything else in here that we want oh, to come on do the zapper one 
Oh, the Zappa one. Yeah, okay. Well, I would now. Now, this is this. this I was looking on uh, on YouTube as I do. As I, I wrote an article about it, and I was saying, you know, it's part of my job. I'm I'm allowed to browse YouTube because I find stuff uh, that Sonic can talk about or whatever. And I kept seeing these kind of so and so reacts to Zappa, so and so reacts to Zappa. So I, anyway, let me um, let me play you an example of what I mean. And I, I've started at the beginning. I, I, this is somebody called uh, Sincerely KSO, who I will just put the link into the uh, show notes into the stream so you can so here we go so this is a track called dynamo hum which i probably couldn't play all of anyway and we'll probably get busted for this but we're appraising and appraising i couldn't say where she's coming from but i just met a lady named dynamo hum <laughs> essentially it's basically so you so you're watching somebody doing that and kind of going ooh, and and you know so opportunity for unlikely person who might listen to Zappa, like your gran or you know this lady or whatever reacts to something by Zappa. generally not stuff like bobby brown we're talking generally more sort of more palatable and less less lyrically challenged shall we say um but Zappa seems to be a thing and then i started seeing more and more and more of them and what's interesting is all these videos are monetized as well but because it's a critique there's this kind of like you're sort of allowed to do that under YouTube license. It absolutely kind of made me, made me really scratch my head because, you know, as we saw, you know, you can, we can upload a, a review which has a filter sweep in it and then suddenly, you know, Orbital's bot will say, no, no, sorry, that's ours. And it's like, no, it's not. It's what, what are you talking about? So it's really interesting. I don't know. Um, you're a guitarist or have been a guitarist for 20 years. Does, does Zappa feature in any of your uh, your um, early early listening? I mean, you've got a hell of a guitarist and a hell yeah. of a producer. <clears throat> yeah, totally. Totally. And I still have uh, an SG um, because I remember, I don't remember what, what it was, but uh, there was a video or something that I saw when I was... City of Tiny Lights, probably. When I started playing guitar and, and he's shredding, not shredding, but, you know, he's playing, really, really inspired me, yeah, totally. But it's, it's interesting, have you, because I, I couldn't see any other, I, I haven't seen, I mean, maybe my keywords mean I only get to see Zappa reaction videos. Maybe they're a kind of like, you know, um, Abraham Lincoln reacts to death metal, you know, do you know what I mean? It's all of this kind of juxtaposition stuff that's, that seems to be kind of classic clickbait. And it really works. Oh, Dave, you were, you were keen to go and go here. So have you, have you noticed oh, any other? It. Yeah, I first stumbled across this. It was a couple of really kind of cool hip black guys listening to, it was either, I think it was Phil Collins. And of course I was like, what is the outcome of this going to be? But it was really fascinating. It was really fascinating. And I, 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 um, I mean, particularly this, I just, I giggled my way through the whole thing here because I wouldn't play it. And he's, I certainly can't play any of the Zappa stuff when my mum's around that I've got Joe's garage. And like you say, the Bobby Brown stuff. I, I mean, it's like, yeah, but it was brilliant. Her expressions were just brilliant. And it was just like, it was like, you know, 10 minutes of joy for me. I giggled. And I haven't done that. I haven't done that enough in the last year. It just really made me laugh. And he's, you know, hey, Zappa was Zappa, and he's phenomenal. I had an amazing day once. Uh, a friend of mine, somebody I knew years ago, was a kind of very well-known prog drummer, and uh, I used to go down to his, and he would kind of turn me on to various bits of music uh, from a kind of drumming perspective. It's how I got into Tony Williams and obviously Steve Gadd and all those guys, Eta Marrera. 
uh, and he was sat there with this very skinny American guy who was a mate of his who happened to be Terry Bozio and then they went into the studio and played and it was just like you know it's like one of those moments where you know I was there I was probably like 19 or something like that and goosebumps were just like everywhere everywhere and oh, you heard you heard Terry Bozio play then yeah yeah they were just wow. jamming around you know I mean, this is the one thing that, you know, when you start looking through the Zappa stuff, quite often what's really interesting about it is that the memories I've got of the records and the videos I'm seeing, they're the same thing. The record was recorded then by those people playing that well. And I mean, the level of skill, I mean, my favourite era is the George Duke Zappa band with uh, Napoleon and uh, and George Duke and Ruth Underwood and all of those people. I I just think some of that stuff is absolutely mind-blowing and the just the skill the level of skill and the attention to detail but really groovy with fantastic drummers and basically you know everybody in the band there's no there's no kind of there's no uh, um, passengers going on there it's absolutely no yeah way. it's really interesting uh, and, and and it's uh, this kind of takes on those other things because there are a whole genre of these. There's, you know, you get vocal coaches react to singers or react to X Factor, you know, auditions or whatever, all of that stuff. It's it's kind of interesting. It's almost like that vicarious thing where, you know, because watching other people playing computer games is a really, I mean, it's massive. I mean, way, way, way bigger. But it's a kind of subset of that almost. It's kind of, I just think it's a fascinating psychological kind of, Oh, social, I don't know what I'm calling For me, it's the, it's the joy of it, you know, when you discover something new and the joy of it and that kind of child childlike wonderment of something. And then if you take a genre that's so, like, juxtaposed against somebody's image or, you know, something they've never listened to, and then you kind of go, check it. And then, I, I, I'm all about being open-minded enough to kind of sit and listen to it. And then, and then just film those reactions. It just reminds me of being a kid, really, and listening to things for the yeah. first time and going, "Wow, wow, wow! Oh, wow, wow!" All those facial expressions is just brilliant. I loved it. That's funny. That's it. funny. I know, Yoad. It's that. It's almost. It is, isn't it? It's all, and it's almost that kind of notion of. Um, by seeing somebody unlikely enjoy something that you think is good, it sort of validates your taste somehow. You go, see, I wasn't, I'm not a complete lunatic. You know, I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. But I have to say that I, you know, I try to limit my uh, time kind of uh, on things like that uh, because it's just, my time is that just too precious, you know, and I rather kind of spend half an hour learning about Egan Matrix at the moment <laughs> or stuff like that, you I know, then uh, <laughs> I, I am on TikTok occasionally, but I try to keep it keep I'm, it short and sweet. I'm, I'm exactly the same uh, when people say, do you play computer games? And it's like, no, I spend so much time sitting in front of a computer. If I'm going to be sitting in front of a computer, I want to be doing something useful, not shooting pigeons or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Although I do like yeah. the idea of trying some of this more kind of augmented reality and VR stuff. I think that's going to be interesting. And when, when it gets to a point where I've got something that's got a high enough frame rate that's not going to leave me feeling sick. Oh, wow. I just want to say thank you to Simon Fenn in the chat room for a, for a super chat and a bit of a sticker there. That's very kind of you. I just I kind of feel like I don't want to waste my time on something that flippant, even though I'm per- perfectly adequately will go fishing or sit and watch crap TV. It's bizarre, isn't it? There's a, it's a strange... I don't know, maybe you don't watch much TV either. You know, maybe I guess there's not much time. Um, I watch Family Guy 
uh, <laughs> and South Park and things like that. I'm not Cartoon getting Hell. into like heavy dramas and things like that. Um, <laughs> and I just put it on repeat for a few years now. Family Guy, American Dad, <laughs> South Park. Yeah. Well, it's nice to yeah. again, but that's nice to. Uh, one of the reasons I like watching those shows as well is because it's nice to see something that's not aimed at the lowest common denominator. It, it is and mm -hmm. can be offensive and is edgy and it's sort of okay to have that it's okay to watch that on my actual television without being arrested you know or or yeah. being judged in any way because it's it's kind of mainstream yeah no fair point um, that kind of brings us to the end of our uh, of our little uh, adventure here uh, but i just want to remind everybody about uh the isotope uh deal uh, remember they've got the producer club uh which is the subscription system i think it's 1999 a month uh, you can stop at any time and you get pro versions of all of this stuff if you wanted to join the music <coughs> excuse me <coughs> uh, the, the music produ production suite pro you would also get rx pro and you could so for instance if you already own some rx or, or some isotope stuff you could just kind of go well for this month i need all of the big guns go for it uh, and you just head over to isotope.com and there's a seven day free trial and of course if you want to buy any other stuff it's the code sonic10 uh, which I think if I press no I can't do it I haven't got that set up I'm afraid I didn't it was a last minute addition to the show but anyway thank you ever so much everybody for joining us uh, thank you Yoad um, I know like you say you're busy I know you've got all that time to go with the Egan Matrix I reckon you're going to be very interested in the Osmos when that finally comes out because that's got Egan Matrix built same, in, yeah, the, in the hardware. Engine, yeah. yeah, and yeah. that looks like I, I also have an instrument uh, on the way. Oh, interesting. So, That'll work with your, yeah. guitar, your guitar technique, right? Um, yeah. yeah, hopefully. You know, I'm, I'm still trying to, to, to find the ultimate kind of um, expression or expressive interface. So uh, what I've got to figure out now is, that have you figured out a way to interface the... Uh, um, the the Egan Matrix, I can't remember what it's called now, the Harkin Mini, uh, to spit out MIDI mm -hmm. that you can control some other things that it wasn't designed for. Like, I don't know, maybe opening and closing blinds or uh, something similar. <laughs> um, not quite. Smart not home. Quite. But it's uh, like it, it does enough as it is. You know, it's very expressive and and it's frustrating as well because there's there's a learning curve and you have to... It's an instrument, you know, and you have to, to learn yeah. to learn how to play it. Exactly. Uh, we talked a little I bit about love, this week, yeah. We talked about that I last week. I do love the engine, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that with the instrument, it will be easier, because this is duophonic, or it's a two-voice paraphonic right. interface. Because you can play up to two voices, but obviously your touch and your 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 y-axis will, will be shared, because it's a physical thing that moves it's right. suspended i think it's suspended on two piano strings or something like that so it's all physical so you know but it's yeah it's very interesting great well i hope you have a lot of fun with it that sounds like you will uh dave thank you very much for joining us as well um i'm okay. hoping that uh i'm going to talk you into uh, coming on and doing a little walkthrough of the obe soon so uh, we'll look forward to that yeah eh? yeah it's great fun Excellent. Can well, I just give? I'm, I'm going to take advantage of this moment and go give a shout it. out to somebody if I can. So, Sean Pritchard, if you're listening, I was at school with your uncle Andrew, and I could tell you stories that would make your hair curl. Now, there's a whole other story behind that. Basically, a, an old school friend from uh, hit me up on Facebook, and it transpires that his nephew, who is Sean, uh, 
is a big Sonic State fan and hasn't stopped going on about how his uncle knew me at school. So there you go. A shout out to a, a regular listener. Niche fame. Nothing like it. Excellent. Well, yeah, thank yeah. you very much, everybody. <laughs> okay, well, um, I guess I could go to this and we can all say goodbye. Thank you very much for watching, everybody. That was Sonic Talk, episode 660. We'll see you all uh, next week. Take care. Bye-bye now.